0: Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the i2 podcast. So excited that you're here with us today. I'm excited uh, for my conversation with a great friend, an amazing leader, somebody whose story I know will encourage you to use your influence to impact the world around you. I'm with my man, Kenny. Kenny Anatulu. Kenny, what's up, brother? How you doing?
1: Good, good. How are you guys?
0: Doing good, man. Well, hey, first of all, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to uh, just sit down, have some conversation. I know you are a busy man as a father of three children, and uh, you've got some active active young boys, beautiful young girl, and uh, so just appreciate you taking the time. Would love to maybe just start with a little bit of your story, your background. Uh, you, you grew up kind of in Omaha in a pretty suburban white context, but tell me, where, where are you from? And, and a little bit about your your journey growing up in Omaha.
1: Yeah, so I'm a first-generation uh, uh, American. Uh, my parents are Nigerian, so they yep. came from Nigeria, came to Chicago to go to school, and that's where I was born, in Chicago. And Chi-town. We, yeah, Chi-town. We ended up going back to Nigeria, okay. and then ended up coming back to America, and ended up in Papillion, Nebraska, of all places. So, yeah, so grew up in Papillion, got the Papillion in about fourth grade, Okay. fourth grade and from from fourth grade all the way to 12th grade I was uh I was a monarch
0: yeah what what, what brought you guys to Papillion you were in Chicago went back to Nigeria what, I mean what brought you to Papillion
1: yeah so originally my parents plan was just to come to America get a good degree and go back to Nigeria and and they had us there me my brother my sister and then we moved back to Nigeria and there was a lot of unrest in Nigeria mm-hmm. I, I believe at the time I can't remember the president's name I was young but I mean things were just bad pretty corrupt so they decided to come back to the states just so we could uh, find a place to live that was just just different from Nigeria yep. yeah there's there's a lot of craziness going on there at the time
0: well, one thing that's interesting and I don't know if it was like this back then but Papillion has been ranked as one of the best places to live in America and so when it comes to safety when it comes to just a great place to raise your family. So, I mean, your parents picked one of the best places in America to raise raise their family. But for those of us from Omaha, we also know Papillion is, is pretty uh, white, very suburban culture. How was that for you as first generation, Nigerian, living in Papillion, growing up, going to school there? I mean, what was life like
1: for you? I think just naturally, people are uncomfortable with the unknown. So. Here you have two Nigerian kids. I think there's a handful of black people in the school. And uh, you just had two kids, you know, from Nigeria. Parents were in Nigeria. They're in Papillion, Nebraska. And people just don't know how to react to that. So naturally, we got made fun of. You know, we got called names and I fortunately for us we had an outlet in sports you know we found out pretty early that we were good at football specifically so you could kind of get to unleash that aggression out on the football field but yeah we had we had a tough going you know i remember going to the super target when it first opened in papillion and getting followed by their undercover cops Mm. and undercover security and just getting called names you know the n the n-word getting dropped often and we you know we started fighting we got pretty aggressive at that age just because we didn't know how else to defend ourselves so i you know now that you grow up a little more mature it's just people don't what they don't know they don't know and they usually react negatively to it yeah
0: i mean i think that's so real number one i don't know why anybody would mess with you and you got a brother yeah uh, (laughs) so they're, they're picking a fight with the wrong people but just the fact that that stuff actually does happen when you grow up in a community where you are the minority and you are different people don't know how to react and a lot of people react with a level of hate how how was it for your parents because my wife is uh half mexican half thai she's first generation thai and so her parents moving or her mom being in the states almost had this perception her mom actually grew up in pillion too Oh wow! And she didn't want her daughters to be viewed at as minorities. So she tried to Americanize them as much as possible. How how was that for your parents? Did they stay pretty strong in your culture or did did they feel the pressure to try to Americanize you as much as
1: possible? No, they they stayed pretty strong in their culture, but um, specifically my father in uh, 1982, my birth year, he had received his master's in business, but he couldn't get a job. So he worked as a Security guard, a, mm. a taxi cab driver, a butcher with a master's degree. Wow. And, you know, wow. then he ended up, we ended up in Papillion and he ended up working insurance, but he changed his name and he didn't physically change his name, but just he just started going by Stan. And if you see my dad, wow. he's Nigerian. <laughs> so his, his name's Debo and he went by wow. Stan. On his business card, his name said, it's, it said Stan Anatolu. And that's just, what it was. Wow. And that's common amongst most Nigerians that when you come to the States, you know, you get an American name. So, you know, so you can, you can try to get a job and, you know, he had his master's degree, but he had to go through all these different avenues just to, you know, get accepted. Right. Wow. Wow. People are comfortable with what they know. So if you have a guy with the name Adebo Wali on a tolu on a job interview, is he going to fit into the culture right. of your know, work environment? So, yeah, that was something I remember from a young age. My dad's going by Stan, which never made sense to me until wow. right I got older.
0: That's so interesting. Did, did that yeah. have anything to do with like your name or your brother's name?
1: Yeah, so my real name is, my first name is Alaiwala, and okay. middle name Adebowale, Kane Day, Anatolu. but yeah, I just go by Kenny. And that's something that started in kindergarten because wow. people, couldn't say my name so my parents just kind of took the canyon day name and started calling it started calling me kenny and wow. everyone called me kenny since then so it's this thing you know of just trying to fit in and trying to be accepted right yeah so
0: interesting i mean if you're a part of the majority culture which like in our city if you're white you yep. don't even have to think about changing your name doing life differently so that you can get accepted but yeah. man, living on the other side of it, your dad had to go by a different name yeah. just so that he could start getting accepted in the, the field of business that he had a degree in. I mean, he was a smart, had a master's degree, but right. because of his name,
1: couldn't get right. certain
0: jobs. That's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, that's what I try to tell people. It's just it's a different experience. America. I mean, we left Nigeria to come to America. So that says what type of country America is. Obviously, it's a it's a great great nation. But there's still a lot of things that most non-Americans don't realize that other people coming from other countries kind of go through. I mean, my father, even even though he got his master's, he still went on to get his doctorate degree. You know, mm. in business and business finance, just so he could achieve the highest level you can possibly achieve. So there's no doubt that you, you have right. to accept. And I think there there's a little that's a mm. little unjust and unfair because, you know, you should if we're looking at, you know, the commonality of everybody, we shouldn't be we shouldn't have to reach a doctorate position level. Right. To be accepted. Right. Yeah. Right? And and that's what a lot of and that's why Nigerians are, are as far as immigrants are. The, I, th- I think they're number one as far as most educated, educated wow. Im- Im- immigrants coming into America. Wow. Just what how how it goes with them. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, it's it, it, if you're a minority, it seems like and the message has always been you've got to do a lot more to get ahead. You've got right. to have more education. You, you've got to work harder. You've got to work longer because you aren't afforded the same opportunities as somebody who doesn't look like you, who's maybe a part of the more dominant culture, which uh, in the U.S. is white. And so right. your father, I mean, you, you talked about that in your own story. You yeah. talked about sports. Yeah. And sports is one of those things that can, you know, put you in a position to uh, – engage in relationships and engage with other people in, in ways that you otherwise wouldn't. What did sports do for you? You started playing football in, in, in uh, high school. You guys were pretty good. Like talk about what sports did for you just in
1: terms of your journey. Uh, sports was for me, uh, you yeah, know, I, I think my father or my mother, they'd rather, you know, have me focus more on books. That's just the, the way the culture is. They didn't care much for sports. But you love to watch sports. I love watching sports You watch Michael Jordan and all the great football players. And, you know, by the time I got to high school, I realized I was, I was pretty good at sports and you start getting some letters and mm. start opening them and like, wow, this is an opportunity to go to college and, and, and play yeah. sports. And obviously, you know, I did that. And I think at a young age, naturally you're unaware of some of the gifts that's been bestowed upon you. You just think, Oh, I'm just fast because I'm fast and then you right. get a little older, you start hitting the weight room and now you start thinking it's how hard you've worked. You know, yep. oh I worked so hard and you know, I did this, I, 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 I did this. That's why I received a scholarship. That's why I'm so good. And you know, mm. later on, you learn that well. A lot of people work hard, right? I mean, right. Yeah, construction workers working 12 hours a day, but right. you know, they they don't run a four or five, and you know, they don't bend, <laughs> they don't bend right. 400, you know, and and stuff right. like that. Then you start understanding man, that's a, it's really a blessing. It's a gift. Mm. And what do you do with it? So, you know, working hard is everybody works hard. Most people work hard. That's not anything special but what what do you do with your gifts so yep. yeah so I was gifted you know enough I was blessed enough with some physical abilities and I took advantage of them right yeah you know yep. and I uh, got an opportunity to to go to UNO wanted to go to Lincoln but I was a little skinny back then so yep. I needed to put on some weight and got an opportunity to play at UNO you know started four years did real well there didn't get drafted that was a disappointment but so hmm. um, went on to Canada, got some calls from Canada, played there a few years, and then ended up getting coming down back to the States and starting my NFL career.
0: How long, yeah. How long did you spend playing in the NFL?
1: So I, all together I was in seven years. Okay. Yeah.
0: And I know you were with a variety of different teams. yeah. Yep. What, what ultimately took you out? Was it injury? Was it just you felt like it was a season of transition?
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was a little bit of both. I was fortunate enough; never had a surgery, never really had a major injury wow. until my last year of football, which was 2013. I tore my tricep, and uh, and that was pretty much it. But I was content, you know. I, yeah. I knew as far as you know, the NFL is a year to year league, and I was fortunate right. enough to never get hurt and kind of play throughout all those years, starting from 10 years old to to 31. Wow. So I was good. I was pretty content when I got hurt, and I yeah. knew that was it. And I had another opportunity to come back and play, and at that time, you know, I kind of just said, hey, give your body a rest and hang it up for good.
0: Yeah. You, you, yeah. you know, when you talk to football players especially, you take such a pounding
1: yeah. <laughs> year yeah. over yeah. year.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of guys, they're just like, man, I'll, I don't think my body can handle anymore. Yeah. And so it's amazing that you played that long. No Mm -hmm. major surgeries. I had a bunch of major surgeries just in college, and I played basketball. (laughs) So
1: pretty fortunate.
0: Yeah, super fortunate. You you talked about kind of initially in your football career the I mentality, and like just thinking, almost just thinking, it's about you and what you can and can't do, and and then recognizing, man, this is a gift, and this is something that God has given me. Talk to me about your faith journey has faith always been a part of your life when did god really get a hold of your of your life and you really surrendered to him
1: yeah so faith has always been part of my journey i would, i would say growing up i was kind of a game day christian uh just you know when there's a sports event going on i'm praying i'm praying hard hey don't let me fumble <laughs> and you know i want to right. i want 100 tackles and yeah. have a great season and praying for victory lord just praying for give victory And that really went on for, I'd say, all the way really, truly until my last year when I got hurt. So, you know, I always went to Bible study. I was always part of the church. You know, I was always aware of, of, you know, ministry and always aware of God and, you know, but I just, my heart, my idol was football was sports. It's what I thought about when I woke up, when I went to bed, how am I going to get better, stronger, faster, more tackles. That's just what it was. It was my idol. So, um, so 23rd, so my mom, tragically passes away, right? While Mm. while I'm playing for the Carolina Panthers. And she was our spiritual backbone. She was always praying. She was a prayer warrior, prayed for hours every Mm. single day. So she was that type of woman. So she passed away tragically, unexpected in her 50s. And that's what, and then on top of that, I had my first injury and I'm literally in my bed with a brace from here to here for the next nine months. So what am I going to do, right? So it's almost like probably the two most the two worst things that could possibly could happen to me ended up yeah. almost being the, the thing that kind of mm. saved me in a sense, as far wow. as my spirit, my spirituality. Yeah. So my mom passed away and then got hurt and I sat my butt down, finally opened the Bible and that's when it all started. So I just started pouring and read through the whole Bible mm. and, you know, had an opportunity, got healthy, had an opportunity to play again, hung that up, and then started reaching out to people. Got connected to my mentor, Raleigh Hutton. Then yep. we went through the Bible. He kind of put some discipline to it, mm. and it just kind of, you know, once you once once the, the spirit starts doing this thing, it's a wrap. That's what happened with me. So I went from, you know, I started off and. At just going to church going to Bible studies wanted more and more and more and then you start you know seeing what you can do to help other people and mm-hmm. some of your friends and, and and things like that so it was a it was a pretty uh, it was a, a bit of a roller coaster but it was what was needed for me because right. I don't know if I would have ever what would have made me you know what would have made me change if I didn't get hurt my mom pass. right, right. I'd have been in that same boat of you know, I know about God, but you know here's my, my careers first
0: right yeah,
1: it's so
0: it's so crazy how God does that. like He takes away the things that we're love that we love the most or that we're holding on to the most yeah. and and many times, I can speak for my own story, I hear it in your story. Yeah. when we're at our lowest, it's like mm-hmm. God is closest, and oh, yeah. God uses mm-hmm. those things to really get our attention, and like you said, two of the worst possible things that could have happened to you. Right. Were actually the things that were a catalyst to you yep. probably living the life that you're living today.
1: 100%.
0: And yep. going from being a game day Christian to what I would call a game changing Christian. There you <laughs> go. I like that. And somebody who's really, man, living for the Lord and, and, and everything you talked about, the disciplines and the change that started to happen in your life. One of the things that we say a lot is change people, change the world. And it starts when Jesus changes us and then he uses us to change the world. And so God, God gets your attention. He's starting to change you. What, what started to change the most in you, uh, in terms of just like football stopped becoming more of your idol. You started to focus on other things. What were some of the things that maybe you started to focus on? You talked about investing in other people, your friends, telling people.
1: Yeah, I think the first, big change i noticed was was music so i was a big jay-z fan you know rap rap battle i, I mean i i loved it you know hmm. i i just i loved that music and uh you know you start you you start listening to it and i just started getting turned off by it Yeah, know and I, I didn't know why i'm like man this is this is this is harsh right right and so i just started listening to the gospel music and i Started to love it, and mm. that—that's when I—I I said, oh, okay, so this is what it's about. It's not some big epiphany, and you know, you see some light, and all of a sudden you—you right. know—it changes like that. No, it's this gradual change of man. Those words that some of these rappers were using really started to, you know, take a toll on me, and I just—I mm. just rejected it. So. Went from, you know, listening to rap and R&B and all that type of music to just gospel music. And I loved it even more, which was mm. what it took me about five months to, under, to realize, like, wow, this is, wow, this is crazy. Like, wow. God is really working, working to change my heart. So the music was the first one. And then just your purpose, man. Like, what? what's, yeah. okay. So I reached my goal, my goal my whole life, NFL, right? Mm. Then you reach the NFL, you set more goals. I'd accomplish everything I could possibly hope and wish wow. for in my life mm. but yet i'm still empty i'm, I'm not sad but i'm right. like this is it this is all this right. is all that right. there is there's no like what is there? so i ended up reading the uh purpose driven life yeah uh, i think rick warren yeah. read that book that was a pretty impactful book uh near mm. christianity c.s lewis that was yeah. a really impactful book to me and then really fear was what kind of resonated with me, like fear of, I know so many good people, mm. so many good mm. people, but not, not holy people, not, not people, people that don't know God, but really good people. I started thinking about all oh, wow. my friends, my family. And I'm like, am I, am I the guy? I'm not worthy. Am I supposed to be the one, you know, sharing the message of the gospel and wow. telling them like, whatever you think you want, it's not going to be enough. Cause at the end wow. of the day, and we, we see it in sports and Hollywood all the time. I mean, there's just not a lot of happy people there and they have right. everything the world has to offer, but yep. people naturally, they think, you know, if I had more of this, more of that, and it's not that man. So right. once I basically, like I say, once I, God gave me the juice, it's like, man, hmm. I, I got to tell everybody. So that's kind of how my journey. Wow. Began.
0: And and how many more years did you play once that process started to happen
1: oh zero, I zero. Didn't play So you, you, you kind that of was,
0: shifted from yeah. sports football into kind of your next season of life right as god was changing you I, lo- I love what you said you know you number one you started listening to different music your yeah. your motivations, the things that inspired you started to change but then purpose yeah and and i think so many people want to know what their purpose is but purpose happens when you're connected to the source of purpose.
1: there you and, go.
0: And again, he starts to change us. And then he's like, I want to use you. Mm-hmm. And so you start asking those bigger questions and you start down that journey. I mean, I love even just your desire and passion to share with others. Yeah. And, and you, you use the word fear, which I think, I mean, the Bible says all throughout scripture, the fear of the Lord it's is the, the foundation. It's the I'm beginning sure. of knowledge and wisdom. And so there's a healthy, holy fear that we can live with that says, I don't want people to miss out on God's plan and purpose. I don't want to miss out on God's right. plan and purpose. Yep. And so you start entering into that season. What, what was next for you? Did Is, is that when you got married? Um, what, what happened after you transitioned from sports?
1: Yeah, from sports, got married to my longtime girlfriend. You know, just started doing things the right way and found out – I wasn't missing anything. And I know me and you have spoken about that before. It's like, I should have done this when I was 22. We've been together, you know, God bless her right. heart. man. She, <laughs> she hung on there for the yeah. long run, right? But I yeah. should have done this when I was 22. And I yeah. wish, I wish someone would have told me. Hmm. Right. I wish yep. someone, but nobody told me. So that's why, like the position I'm in now. Yeah. You know, yep. younger not. If you feel like she's the one, and you're, um, and and God's calling you to her for you yep. guys to be one, for you guys to be married, then do it. Don't. Hmm. Listen to your, you know, because my parents were kind of telling me this, just wait, you have a your right. whole life ahead of you, you know, right. and it's like, no, why? Because all that other stuff is just, is a waste, you know, right. it's a waste right. of time. So, yeah, I got married, got married, you know, we had our first child and I was just trying to figure out what what I was going to do next, right? What am I going to do? with, you know, I'm only 32 years old, a lot of life left to live, Mm -hmm. God willing. So kind of got into real estate by watching HGTV, thinking I flip a home and I, you know, (laughs) learn some lessons there, but that kind of grew into a passion of, you know, getting into real estate and, you know, being in the the inner city and, you know, fixing up these houses and being in some, you know, distressed areas, so to speak. And, uh, putting good families in there and, you know, cleaning up, trying to help clean up the neighborhood in the best way I can.
0: Yeah. Yep. I love that. I, I love how purposeful you've been with your life and intentional getting married, then trying to figure out what's next. And, and you, you started with, you know, one house, two houses. I mean, you got a whole portfolio of properties yeah. and I love how you, don't just view them as a business or as a transactional thing, but really as this transformational ministry opportunity to invest in the neighborhood, the communities, the individuals. I know you've also uh, served with, with uh, a ministry and you've had the opportunity to speak into the lives of athletes and coaches and at your church. I know even recently with some of the racial discussions, I mean, you've really leaned into that and have been, been, been sharing. What do you feel like, your purpose is in this season with what God has given you.
1: Yeah. And, and I'd first like to say, it's definitely, uh, it's not something that comes natural to me. I'm not a, I don't, I like being behind the scenes. I don't like being in front of the camera. So, you know, joining, because doing ministry full time as a job, the, as the last job I was just in, it was the hardest yeah. thing i done praying over people I'm good at praying silently you know? <laughs> I, I, that right. resonates with me but you yeah. know praying over people and talking mm. to people about you know deep stuff is it's just really really hard but you know at the end of the day it's not about it's not about me and I, mm. I think that's you know it's about giving glory to God so if that's the case you know even if I feel unworthy is you know I'm not disciplined enough I didn't go to Bible college I didn't go to seminary or, you know, theology yeah, yeah. school, you know, I just, you know, met with my pastor for two years, every Friday we went through wow. some books, you know, but he's chosen me. Like for whatever reason, God has given me something that I know to be true and it's yeah, my sure. obligation to share it. So I can't run from that, even though I do want to. So that, that's wow. first and foremost. And uh, yeah, just the ability to, and I hate the word give back because I'm, I'm nobody special. Just do what I'm supposed to do. I think if we as Christians are doing what Mm. we're supposed to do, then we we do that naturally. Mm. Like I'm not like people are. people in the inner city are in the inner city. They don't need anyone giving back to them. That's where they live. That's where, you know, they lay their heads. That's their home. So I'm not doing anything special, but I'm just trying to do my part to, you know, see a kid, a single mother with the kid, you know, being a house that's nice you know with nice yep. carpet nice tile and get to come home to a nice environment even though maybe their schooling has issues or the neighborhood might be rough but inside that house you know there's joy mm, come yeah on, man. so that's a little part that i can do but i think it's big because it's where you lay your head yes. every day and if i can you know invest a little money into that and you know you know, give them an opportunity with a nice place to just raise your children. I think that helps, right?
0: It's huge. It's huge. And 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 leaning into an area where you had a, a level of interest and started to try some things, but with a real intentionality and a level of purpose. And I love how some of the things that you've done aren't natural to you. And, yeah. and sometimes right. you think of purpose. It's like, man, what am I passionate about? What would I love doing? And sometimes God's like, I'm going to lead you in a direction. You don't even know that you're gifted in this area. You'll actually be very uncomfortable, right? something in you that when it comes out, people are encouraged. And, and I know that's been true for my story. I see it in you and in your story. How has that been? Like, let, let, let's take the recent race stuff. Yeah, I know you've shared at your church and <laughs> you, you've played more of, I would say, a public role in that. Mm-hmm. And naturally, that's not the direction that you would go. How has it been on the backside of it, just maybe seeing how God has used your voice and has it ignited something inside of you?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I have a unique perspective just growing up or having been a Nigerian kid growing up in Papillion Nebraska living in Elkhorn Nebraska and just getting experience just different cultures while living in a different culture right so I think I mean God is using me I mean my story from fourth grade on paints the picture like I'm the kid that no one you know people weren't really comfortable around because you know I wasn't like them and so that's what going to these churches when they ask me to speak, I just kind of tell them my story. And, you know, you have to be intentional. You have to get uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. right? Diversity is good. Until they start understanding that diversity is good, it's a good thing, then nothing's going to change. And, you know, it's easy to say it, but to actually do it, like to go have that conversation, go to a black barbecue, a black barbershop, go down to the inner city, you know, it might not be what you're used to, but you're going to gain from it. You have to be uncomfortable. And, you know, the same goes in sports, be comfortable being uncomfortable. I mean, our whole lives in sports, if you ever right. play sports, it's train. I mean, the games are fun, but right. I mean, tra- training, <laughs> right, that's yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah. But what happens right. over time, mm. you know, it becomes comfortable. And then, you know, you guys, you build camaraderie. And I think that the church needs to follow that lead. So I really feel like the church mm. has fallen behind on that because a lot of these issues wouldn't happen if, you know, the church would have, taken a stand a long long time ago they wow. the church kind of sat back and not all churches but right some churches have kind of sat back and, and and let these things happen and now we're here wow that's the word right there man
0: be comfortable being uncomfortable yeah, yeah. and and like you said that's common talk and language in sports no pain, no gain right, and in the right. business community. It's like, man, without risk, there's no reward yep. And in the church community. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own comfort right. and, and it's easier to stay isolated and insulated than to really try to extend beyond our, our normal comfort zones and circles. And so I, I do agree, man. Any, anybody who's listening, I want to go back to the listener here for a second. As you're listening and hearing Kenny's story, number one, you have a story. And your story is unique to who God has called and created you to be. And God is telling a story and he wants to pull things out of you, but it requires that we get uncomfortable. And I can just speak for my own journey. And for so long, I thought that my calling would actually be comfortable because, man, it's how I'm gifted. It's how I'm wired. It's, it's natural to me. Yes. But what I've, what I've learned and, and just the tension I live with all the time is that my calling is not comfortable. And I mean, we can look at the life of Jesus. His calling to go to the cross was the most uncomfortable position and place that anybody could ever go. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Paul talks about just some of the challenges that we'll face. So Kenny, man, I, I love your story. I love how intentional you are. I love how God is using you. I know that it's, it's just the beginning and there's so much more that God wants to do in and through your life. What would you tell anybody who's listening to encourage them that, man, God wants to use you to make a difference. And maybe here are some encouragements in order to do that.
1: I would say just really let go. And uh, my my pastor, my mentor says this all the time, let go and let God. And really Mm -hmm. that, that means some intentionality on your part, pick up the Bible. Like, I I remember when I was going through my journey, I literally Googled how to get closer to God, like Mm. just pick it up, you know, and he's going to do the rest if your heart is genuinely seeking his, not for anything, but just for your purpose. So it really, it's a, it's a simple concept, but it'll be the hardest thing you ever have to do because the world will be telling you, man, you know, do this, you need more money, you need more status, more clout. And all those things are empty. You know, I've I've, I've been somewhat in that range and it all leads to emptiness. So I would say really earnestly seek God by praying to him and just pick up your Bible. You know, Mm -hmm. just pick up your Bible and start reading, read the four gospels, just start there and then start asking questions and, and he will reveal himself to you. He will, it's, it's real, man. It's, it's powerful. He will relieve himself. And then, you know, I feel like God has spoken to me just once actually spoken to me just once. I've been praying for it ever since it happened. But mm-hmm. when he spoke to me, man, it was like me getting hit by Ray Lewis. Man, he—I mean, it was unbelievable. And I called. I'm calling on my friends on, wow. you know, my brother, and we're talking about. It, and it's like this mm-hmm. is crazy. I asked, and, and wow. he he revealed himself. So mm-hmm. it's it's real, it's real. And you know, just it's you know, what else is there? What what's your purpose? You know, seek your purpose wow. through, through Scripture. Open open up that Bible
0: come on, man. Powerful, powerful. When God speaks, it's like getting hit by Ray Lewis. There you go. You feel it. <laughs> <laughs> man. You feel it. And everyone else around you starts to feel it too. I, I absolutely love that word, bro. I wish we had more time. Cause like I could keep asking you more questions, but yeah. I love your story. I love how it's the ultimate picture of God changing you and now using you to be a part of the change that, that he wants to bring in the world, pursuing your purpose being willing to be uncomfortable. So many things that so many people can practically walk away with. And so I'm excited for people who get to listen to this. Hey, I don't know if, are you on social media? Are there ways people can follow you or kind of keep up with some of the stuff you're doing? You also, hold on, hold on You also wrote a book. Oh yeah. Bro, yeah, you yeah. wrote a book. Yeah. And I uh, almost, almost forgot about that, but just briefly tell, tell, tell me about the book that you wrote and I wanna encourage people to check it out.
1: Yeah, wrote the idea came about four years ago. My son, mixed kid, started asking a lot of questions about his skin color, what is he? So decided to read a children's book. So this this came to me a while back, and uh, you know, and and I uh, started went in the process of writing a children's book. I'm not an author. People call me an author. I'm not because it took Come me four on, years to write, to write a children's book. Four years, you know. With, With pictures and colors and everything but you know i got that process done and you know it's been a success as far as you know the timing was perfect right when i when it released last year there was a flood of of purchases of the book and people a lot of great feedback and now this year there was another flood of purchases just because of what's going on and it's the biggest message in the book it's man Talk to your kids early about diversity. Don't wait mm. till they go to college and they see their first black person when they've been watching the news their whole life because they grew up in the panhandle. You know, yeah. teach about diversity at an early yeah. age it becomes the norm by the time they become an adult. Because, you know, yeah. Yeah. when you get to a certain age, it's, it's hard. The older you get, right. the, the more stuck in your ways you are. So teach your kids early. So that was the whole purpose behind the book, the vision. Wow. for.
0: Now remind me, what's it called? Uh, two of a kind. Two of a kind. Yep. yep. I'm waiting for my copy. I ordered it probably like a, a week and a half, two weeks ago. And so um, should yeah. have a copy coming in. I love the 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 visual on the front. Yeah. It's is you basically you and your son, black guy, diverse kid, and then uh is it a friend of yours, white guy?
1: Uh, friend guy, yep.
0: Yep, and then uh his son, uh yep. white, white. So just the visual of it, the story behind it. I mean, bro intentionality. Yeah. you Don't, you know, you say I'm not an author, but you, you felt like God was speaking, doing something. There's a message and for you to lean into that and to take it to the finish line. Yeah. So much just about you and and how God is using you. Good job, man.
1: Appreciate it, man. So
0: people can go on Amazon, Yeah, purchase it. Yes, sir. And then is there any other ways that people can follow you or stay connected with some of the things that you're doing?
1: I, I think I'm still on Twitter, but all
0: right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I'm that's not like a, my Twitter game.
1: Yeah, it's I haven't tweeted in years. I, at least I don't think so. I'm on Twitter. Gosh, what's my Twitter handle? This is terrible. <laughs> I think it's uh, it's kayo fifty five. That's my Twitter handle. So maybe I'll start. I'll update some pictures and uh and uh start start getting more versed to uh, uh social media.
0: Yep. Why? Well, I encourage anybody get the book connect with Kenny, find him on the internet, find him on Twitter to, if you, if you're looking for somebody to come speak to your school, your church, your family, um, I just know his message is powerful. If you're a nonprofit, a ministry and and you want to really help create diversity and inclusion, man, Kenny's story and, and his communication can be pretty powerful and pretty helpful. So thanks so much for listening. Hey, we, we say it all the time. God hasn't called you to do everything, but he's called you to do something. Find out what it is. Find out where he's given you influence and and use that influence to impact the world around you. So excited for you to listen to this. You can uh, find any other of our episodes, wherever there are uh, uh, podcasts uh, being shared. You can go to AbideOmaha.org and find all of our previous episodes.
1: Appreciate you guys. Look forward to seeing you next time.